We're going to be looking at a number of passages of the Bible today. We're in a series called, What Does It Mean to Follow Jesus? And we've seen so far that following Jesus means a relationship with Him, where we spend time with Him. We spend time talking to Him in prayer, listening to Him as we pray and as we read the Bible. We've seen that following Jesus means that we're part of His family, you know, with the friendship and support of others. Well, in the midst of this relationship that we have with Jesus, Jesus wants us to have assurance. Okay? Jesus wants you to have assurance. He wants you to know for sure that you have a relationship with Him and that we have His love and His forgiveness. And one way that He does this, one way that He gives us His assurance is through baptism. Okay? Baptism is the ceremony of initiation in terms of the Christian life. Baptism is a ceremony that is designed by God to give you assurance that you indeed have started to follow Jesus. And there's lots of meanings in, uh, uh, for baptism in the Bible. There's lots of images that the Bible gives us to try to help us understand what baptism means what it signifies, and how it helps us to follow Jesus. We see there's images of washing, there's images of death, there's images of anointing. And at at the core of all of the images, at the core of all of the scriptures, all the passages in the Bible that talk about baptism, at the core, baptism is identification. Okay? Baptism is identification. Okay, And it's, it's a two-way street. In baptism, you identify with Jesus, and Jesus identifies with you. Baptism is a sacrament. Okay? There are two sacraments that Jesus has given to the church. Those are baptism and the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> and a sacrament means that it assures you of the blessings of God. Okay, and so if you're here today and you've been baptized, we're going to spend time today helping you understand what your baptism means. Okay, and if you're here today and you haven't been baptized, you're going to also see what baptism means, and you can determine if you would like to follow Jesus and identify with him in baptism. Okay, that's what we're going to look at today. And so baptism identifies us with God in three ways. Okay, so if you want to write something down, here are the points. We're going to see first that we identify with the name of God in baptism. Second, we identify with the work of God. And then third, we identify with the presence of God. So the name, the work, and the presence of God. So first, let's look at that we identify with the name of God. Look there. The first passage of Scripture is Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this part of the Bible is actually called the Great Commission. It's the job description that Jesus gives to the church. Jesus says that the family of God is to make disciples. And what that means is that you are to help people to follow Jesus. 
That's what a disciple is. It's someone who's following Jesus. And Jesus' first description of what to do when someone follows him is baptism. Verse 19, go make disciples of all the nations, comma, baptizing them. Okay? And when baptism happens, baptism is people are baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, baptism means identifying with God by name. By name. When we baptize someone, we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so, baptism means that you are identifying not just with God in general, but you are identifying with the particular God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you are identifying with this God, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with that God. And what that means is that you are saying, in your life, you're on his side. In your life, you are with him. That's what it means. You're in his family. You will follow after him. That's what you are saying when you identify with the name of God in baptism. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. This is not uh, there on your your sheet. Um, It says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you're baptized, that's what you're saying. You're saying, as for me and my house, as for me and my life, I am going to serve God. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this idea of house helps us understand one of the reasons why we baptize the children of believers. Right? We baptize children um, when they have one or more Christian parent. Because 1 Corinthians 7.14 says that a child who has at least one Christian parent is holy. They are holy. Um, as they are raised, as that Christian parent raises their son or daughter, um, they, as they're taught, as they see the faith of their parents, as they are introduced to Jesus and the truth of the gospel, those children will grow up identifying with the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we identify, we are baptized into the name of God. We identify with the name of God. Now, what's interesting is that James 2.7 says... Not only that do we identify with God by name, but that God identifies his name with us. Okay, let's look at that next verse. James 2, 7. It says, Are they not the ones who blasphemed the honorable name by which you were called? So this is a question, right? There's a context here. This verse is discussing a particular kind of conflict that happened in the church. But today we just want to focus on the end, on that last phrase at the end of the verse. Uh, It says, the honorable name by which you were called. Okay, that this verse could also be translated. You could translate it a little bit differently. It actually reads a little bit better if you were to say, the honorable name which was called upon you. Okay, let me say that again because this is really important. It says, the honorable name which was called upon you. This is referring to the moment of baptism. That's the time when God's honorable name is called upon you. 
when you are baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God is calling His name over you. He is putting His name upon you. This is the moment of adoption. That's what God is doing. And we've seen this in our own church family. right? There are children who have been rescued from an orphanage. Where children have been rescued from the foster care system that shuffles them around. When a child is adopted, the parents call their own name upon the child. Right? And that child's status changes for the rest of their lives. They get a new last name. Parents identify with their adopted children so closely that they say, You are now my son, you are now my daughter. That's exactly what God does for us in baptism. He gives us a new last name. He calls his name over us, saying, you are my child. And baptism is that adoption ceremony. And with God's name comes God's affirmation. You have to realize that. That if you have the name of God called out over you, God is not ashamed of you. God is for you. He loves you. He accepts you into his family. Baggage and all. You come in. God welcomes you into his family. There's a verse that's not there on your list. Hebrews 11.6 says that when we trust in Jesus, when we begin to follow Jesus, it says, God is not ashamed to be called your God. That's good news. That is good news. Acts 11.26 there, next verse there on your list, says, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. This sums it all up. The people who followed Jesus as the Christ, right, The word Christ just means Messiah or Savior, right? The people who were following Jesus as the Christ, they were so identified with Jesus. They were so close, their lives were wrapped around the person of Jesus that the rest of the people in the city, they didn't even know what else to call them. So they started calling them Christians, right? Like people who live in America are called Americans, They didn't know what else to say about them. Look, the only thing these folks have in common, because, well, it's not a racial thing, because there's Jews, and then there's a bunch of, I mean, Gentiles. It's not a, you know, it's not an age thing. It's old and young. It's not a status thing, because there are citizens of of Rome, and then there are slaves of Rome that are all, and they they were struggling. How do we describe the only thing that we can say, that we could, that these folks all have one thing in common? And that is that they have identified so closely with Jesus. We just got to call them Christians. And Jesus, the Christ, is happy to have you wear his name. Hebrews 2.11 says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. So if you have been baptized, you need to recognize that you have been identified with the name of God. And if you haven't been, this is one of the blessings. God will pronounce his name upon you. He will make you part of his family. 
So we identify with the name of God. Our second point is that we identify with the work of God, with the work of God, with what God does. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 to 22. It says, uh, this is kind of a curious passage. You have to put your thinking cap on a little bit here. It says, God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's, there's some imagery, there's a comparison being made here, right? You see that um, in verse 21, baptism which corresponds to this. So there's a correspondence, there's, a, there's an allegory or, or a comparison being made here. Baptism is being compared to the flood in the days of Noah from Genesis chapter 6 through 9. And in this comparison, the water of baptism is actually being compared to the flood water of God's judgment that was poured out on all the sin of the world. Okay, so just as God poured out the flood waters um, from the heavens were open and it rained 40 days, 40 nights, right? In the same way, the waters of baptism are poured out over people. And incidentally, this is one of the reasons why we pour water over you in baptism. Because this passage compares the waters of baptism to the flood waters that were poured out. And so, let's keep thinking here. If the water in baptism is the waters of the flood, then what's the ark that saves us from the flood? Yeah, not so much what is the ark, right? It's who is the ark, right? In baptism, Jesus is the ark. Jesus is who saves us from being judged for our sins, right? God's judgment. He's bringing justice to the world. He's bringing all of the wrongs to account in the flood. And so he pours out his judgment on the world, and Noah and his family were saved in the ark. The idea here is that when the waters of baptism are poured out over you, you emerge from the waters of baptism alive because you are trusting and following Jesus. So that's it. Jesus took the judgment that we deserved on the cross, right? This is just back to the gospel. You see how it connects here, right? And his resurrection means that our forgiveness has been secured. It means that God loves us so much that he will go to any length to bring us forgiveness. And in the resurrection, it says, yes, it was done. And so when we trust in Jesus, that's how we find safety in the ark from the coming judgment. And baptism, so baptism then identifies us with the work of God. Baptism identifies us with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Then, Romans 6, verses 3 to 11, take things a step further. It says there that when we identify with Jesus, not only do we identify with his death and his resurrection, but we actually begin to experience his death and his resurrection. Let's see what it says. Romans 6, verses 3 to 11, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Right? So you see there, baptized into his death, right? Into the ark. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with Him. And then verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, we talked before about the word Christ. It means Messiah, right, or Savior. One of the offices, one of the roles, part of the job description of the Messiah was to be a representative. The Messiah was to come and represent his people. And so, what that means is that if the Messiah represents you, then whatever happens to him also happens to you. Okay? And so that's what this verse is saying. When we follow Jesus, God counts what happened to Jesus as happening to us. So again, we are identifying with his work. Just looking back over, verse 3 says, baptism means being baptized into his death. Verse 4, we were buried with him by baptism. It's like we are, when we trust in Jesus, we are stuck to him. Right? And wherever he goes, we go. Well, Jesus went into death, and we went with him. And so to identify uh, for us, uh, what does that mean for us? Like, practically, what does that look like when we identify with the death of Jesus? Verse 6 tells us. It says, our old self was crucified with him so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So what that means is that the Bible says there's sort of two of us, in a sense. And there's different ways you can think about this. There's our old self and our new self. The old self is who we are apart from Jesus. Right? It's that part of us that sins. It's that part of us that's selfish. It's that part of us that um, doesn't love, that's not quick to serve. It's that part of us that wants all the glory for ourselves. Um, you know, that, that's our old self. Baptism is designed to, to preach to us a reality. That, that old self died with Jesus. That's, that's what it says. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now, there's another half too, right? Not just death, but death and resurrection. Verse 4, we died with him in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 8, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And so the work of God, the work of Jesus affects us. When you follow Jesus, when you, you begin to experience something that is amazingly similar to Jesus' experience, um, your sinful self, you feel it begin to die. Uh, you, you realize that there is now new power in you um, to overcome temptation doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you have something that you didn't have before. Um, it means that you end up being renewed and healed from the inside out in a way that can only be described as being born all over again, or like rising with Jesus. When we confess our sins and commit to following Jesus, God adopts us into his family, and he gives us new life. I mean, this is the gospel. Right? This is the good news that changes everything. And so, how do you experience more of this work of Christ in your life? 
right? How do you experience more of this dying to the old self and living to the new self? Well, um, our Westminster Larger Catechism, it's one of the creedal statements of our church. In the Larger Catechism, it, it says that we do this by, actually uses the phrase, improving our baptism. Okay? It's, it talks about improving our baptism. Um, and, and what it says there in question 167, the Larger Catechism is larger, um, it says that we improve our baptism by, quote, serious and thankful consideration of it. So it's saying you need to think about your baptism. You need to remember that you have been baptized. Even if you can't remember your baptism, right? Some of you remember the day you were baptized. Some of you don't. Some of you were too young to even remember it. But if you've been baptized, you need to remember that you've been baptized and remind yourself of all that it means. Because as you do that, you will experience the blessings of your baptism more and more fully in your life. And this is exactly what the Bible says in verse 11 of Romans 6. This is why this whole um, thing concludes with verse 11. It says there, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what that's saying is you have to believe and trust that this is true. This is saying that it takes faith to believe this. Right? Because if you're anything like me, There are days, there are moments, there are weeks, sometimes where I don't feel very dead to sin. Right? There are days, weeks, where I don't feel like my old self is really dead. I feel like my old self is very much alive and present and and controlling me. Verse 11 says you have to consider yourself dead to sin. And what that means is you need to remember that because of, not because of you, but because of Jesus, your old self has died. And you, you need to remember, wait a minute, this part of who I am is dead. It, I don't have to give it any power over me anymore. I've been raised with Christ. I am done with this old self. And the more that you believe that you are identified with Christ in baptism, the more you'll experience your new life and real transformation. This is how we walk by faith. It's one of the ways that we walk by faith. And so, in baptism, we identify first with the name of God, second with the work of God. Lastly, our third point is that in baptism, we identify with the presence of God. The presence of God. So, in baptism, God comes near. If you jump back up to that first verse in Matthew 28, look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold... That means check it out. It means stop what you're doing and listen for just a second. Don't let these words run over you so that you hear them and forget them, that they go in one ear out the other. Jesus says, hey, hey, hey! I am with you even to the end of the age. In baptism, we learn that Jesus comes so close to us that he is with us and even more than with us He's also in us. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 to 26 says, I will take you from the nations and gather you. I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is baptism. This is God talking about the day when he will baptize his people. 
And incidentally, this is a reason, another reason why we sprinkle or we pour the water. Right? Ezekiel 36 says that when God renews His covenant, when this happens in effect, it's going to be God sprinkling water or pouring water over His people. And He says, And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from, you, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Right? It's another way of saying your old self goes away and you get a new self. And then verse 27, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. And so, this is a prediction from the Old Testament saying that in baptism, the Holy Spirit is poured out. That God puts His own Spirit within you. And, and the Spirit of God is the presence of God. Okay? And this builds, because if you look at Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and 33, when this promise came true, Peter, the Apostle Peter, stands up and he's talking about it. He's talking about how God's promises are coming true. And he says, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So again, here in the New Testament, Jesus is pouring out the Holy Spirit on the church. Keep going. The next verse, John 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of water and the Spirit. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the promise in Ezekiel chapter 36. Right? I will sprinkle clean water on you. I will put my Spirit within you. Jesus, in this conversation that He's having with one of the Jewish teachers, who would have maybe even memorized the entire Old Testament, is saying, Nicodemus, that's who he's talking to, Nicodemus, you have to be born of the water and the Spirit. I'm not teaching you anything new. This is predicted. And what's happening is that it's coming true now. In baptism, we are born of water and the Spirit. This is what baptism signifies. It's the presence of God being poured out over you. And so people laugh when I baptize people. Right? Because... I make sure they get drenched, right? I make sure they get soaked. It's all that I can do to get as much water as I possibly can in my hands so that not, you know, no square inch of them is unwet, right? I don't want any part of them dry, right? Why? Because in baptism, God is signifying that the Holy Spirit is being poured out over you so that you are drenched in His presence, So that God is not just with you, but He is in you and He fills up all of you. And when you you believe this, when you begin to let the presence of God come into your life, when you acknowledge His presence, that He is with you in your mind, your thinking begins to change. When you recognize that Jesus is in your heart, your feelings begin to change. When you recognize that Jesus is in your hands, the things that you do begin to change. 
right? When he's in your feet, where you go begins to change. You know, when you realize that Jesus is in your mouth, right? That his presence fills every part of you. The things that you say begin to change. Baptism is God trying to help us understand just how much he is with us. The next verse there is Galatians 3.27. It says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Some of you um, very much resonate with the idea of God's Spirit coming into your life. That, just, that evokes really wonderful images and, and a wonderful reality that you can feel like you can walk in. Others of you really want, are, are, are much more connected with with Jesus, right? With the humanity of Jesus. That he's, he was human. He came to earth, right? He had a body. We can see him. We actually read about him, what he did, what he said, all, all the ways that he acted, right? And so for those of you that connect more with Jesus, it's just interesting how the Bible wants to make room for everybody, okay? For some of you, the, the spirit-driven folks, you got verses like Ezekiel 36, Acts 2, John 3. For those of you who are more Jesus-focused, where Jesus really resonates with you, Galatians 3.27. It's the same thing, because it's all one God, right? We believe in one God. And so, in baptism, the Spirit fills you. In baptism, you put on Christ. You put on Jesus. Makes sense, right? Because you wear His name. You get to have His blessings. You get to have who He is. It comes on you. It fills you. This is why we want to spend time with Him. This is why every day you want to spend time with God. Right? You want to listen to Him. You want to be reminded of who He is and what He's done for you. You want to talk to Him. You want to worship Him. You want to thank Him. It's not to earn His blessings, but to experience His blessings. Right? The more There's one great verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, But we with unveiled face, beholding the glory of Jesus, we, when we do that, we are being transformed into his image from glory to glory to glory. This is why we spend time with Jesus. And Jesus wants you to be so sure of his blessings that he has given us a ceremony. He's given us this initiation right so that we can know for sure. It's like as real as that water is that is poured out over you. That's how real you can be sure that you have God's name, that you have God's work, and that you have God's presence. So where do we go from here? Well, if you've been baptized... My hope is that you will now celebrate your baptism and realize that the point of your baptism doesn't depend on the age that you were or or where you were or how it was done because the point of your baptism is to remember that you now have the name of God, right? You now have the work of God on your behalf. You have his presence. Those are things that you can celebrate that God has identified with you as you've identified with him. If you have kids who have been baptized, you want to help them grow up identifying 
with God. You want to help them understand that they too have been baptized, that God has put his name on them, that he loves them, that he cares for them, that they wear his name, that Jesus' work is for them, right? And that Jesus is with them. That will change the way that you parent, right? It'll change the way that you interact because you'll want to give them assurance of the blessings of the gospel so that they can have the strength they need to grow. If you have kids who haven't been baptized, I would say, let's, well, we'll get to that here in a sec. <clears throat> so if you haven't been baptized and you're following Jesus, I just have one question for you. And it comes actually from the book of Acts. What prevents you from being baptized? If you're following Jesus, what prevents you from being baptized? Think about that. If the Bible says that baptism is a ceremony that, that where God wants to proclaim to you these realities, why would you not want to identify with him in this way? And if you haven't been following Jesus, right, if you're not a Christian here, do you see how baptism is this amazing picture of God's commitment to his people? I mean, it's amazing because with, with Jesus, sort of any part of, uh, of life, any part of the way that the church is supposed to operate, it's kind of like if you push on it at all, you're going to end up at the gospel again. Right? And baptism is exactly the same way. Justice is going to come for all of us. And God offers baptism as an opportunity for us to be able to find safety so that when judgment comes against our sins, we can find safety in the cross of Jesus. This is why he died. He died so that we could be forgiven. We died so that we who have lived apart from God, have ignored God in our lives, or even sometimes fought against him in our lives, God will welcome us back. Just like the prodigal son, he'll welcome us back into his family. Um, and he will put his name upon you if you're willing to come back. I mean, it starts by just asking God to forgive you. And then you get to experience the wonder of God, not just forgiving you, but God will publicly state that he is now with you. God will publicly state before a crowd of folks, this is my son, this is my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. This is a member of my family, and I identify with him or her. If you are interested in being baptized, um, if you want to learn more about baptism, um, you can come and talk to me or you know, talk to someone here in the church, or you can fit, you know, come back to this tear-off card. If you want to just, you can check off the other thing, what you're interested in, and you can just say, I want to get baptized. Or you can say, I want to learn more about baptism. Um, so just to make it really easy for you, if you want to respond to this, if you haven't been baptized, where all of this comes down, the reason baptism helps us to follow Jesus is because to follow Jesus, you just need two things. You need to publicly declare that you're willing to follow him. That is good for you. <laughs> it's good for you to stand up and say, I am now going to follow Jesus with my life. It's good to do that in community so that you've got other people who can help you. They can encourage you. They can support you. We all, we need to do that. It's good for you to stand up and 
testify to what you believe about Jesus. But then the second thing is you need Jesus' assurance. You need the confidence that comes through baptism. Baptism is the guarantee of your inheritance. It's the guarantee of God's love. You get his name, you get his work, and you get his presence. And this is what all of us need. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that baptism isn't just an empty ritual, but that you have invested this ceremony of baptism with the gospel and with your own presence. Lord, would you come now and would you speak to everyone here, to those folks who are in a relationship with you, Lord, would you speak to them and give them assurance that you are with them? Lord, there are folks here who are suffering, who are going through hard times. Jesus, they need to know that you are with them, that you care, that you know that what they're going through is really difficult. Lord, call your name out over us. Remind us that we are bearers of your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are with us, you are for us, and that your love fills our lives. And Jesus, I pray that you would give courage to those who haven't been baptized, those who can see the blessings. Help them to have the courage to publicly identify with you. Lord, help all of us to improve our baptisms, to remember what these things mean so that we would be able to walk in the reality of the blessings that you've given us. We pray this in your name. Amen.